You're listening to our series on Ephesians. We hope this series will inspire and encourage you. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. So the title for this week in our first week of Ephesians is Stop Putting Yourself Down! Exclamation mark. Yes, stop putting yourself down. Ephesians, awesome book. I love it. It surpassed uh, Timothy. The two books of Timothy is probably my favorite book of the Bible. It is for this season. As I've kind of read through it and read it again and read it some more and read about Ephesians, I've just become more and more blown away by it. I just think it is an absolutely amazing letter. And it so wonderfully dovetails uh, a covenant our covenant series. The whole book is one covenantal book of unity, of family, of togetherness, of being there for one another. But it's really incredibly practical. So we had covenant. We had a series on covenant. And and we learned about covenant. We learned about what it means and what certain words mean, such as chesed or chesed, if anybody remembers that. And and we learned about the blood covenant and where that comes from. We learned some history and we learned so many other different things. About covenant, but a lot of it is quite conceptual. A lot of it was quite kind of here, good to know, amazing to know, really reinforcing of our faith, but not so practical in so many ways. And that's why I love now that we're doing Ephesians because Ephesians goes, here we go. This is how you make all that practical. This is how you make all that really apply to your everyday life. Fantastic. Now, um, on Friday, I went to Eureka, the Science Museum. Yes. It was amazing. I didn't go on my own. That would have been weird. Uh, I, went, I went with Catherine and my three kids. And we had a brilliant time, an absolutely amazing time. We just spent the whole day from half ten till about quarter to four. And I think it closed at four o'clock, so we weren't too far off. We had a really good day. And the kids loved kind of hitting things and playing with things and jumping over things and hopefully learning things. I certainly learned one or two things. But to connect Eureka to what we're about to do today, and what I want to emphasize is that it was all about head knowledge. It was about learning stuff. It was about getting knowledge, getting it, being amazed by it, being excited about it, but it was head knowledge. Unless you actually experience life, Eureka the Science Museum would have no value whatsoever because it was about life. It was about the things around us, about how things work, how things put together. But it's good to know that, but unless you experience it and you can apply it, then it's just a bit of a fun day out with no real end game in sight. And one of the reasons why I've asked you over the emails and last week was to actually read Ephesians, and at least at the very least read Ephesians 1, is because it's not just about head knowledge. It's about a revelation of the heart. And Ephesians is one of those things where you can read it very theologically. So, so it was written by Paul. It was written in AD 60 to AD 80, somewhere about that. It was written to a bunch of, of people, uh, a bunch of believers about this, that, and the other. And you could get very theological about it. In fact, you could say, some scholars suggest that uh, it wasn't actually written to uh, the church in Ephesus. It was probably written to the church in Laodicea. And the... The beginning of, uh, of uh, Ephesians where it says, 
um, to the saints at Ephesus is actually a later addition, so some scholars would say. doesn't nevertheless put down what Ephesians is all about. It's just that you could get very scholarly. So my point is, that's all good. That's all wonderful to know. But it's about the heart revelation. It's how am I going to let this letter change my life? Not how am I, what am I going to learn about it? How am I going to let it change my life? It's dynamic. It's amazing. And as we go through these next seven weeks, I'm hoping and I'm praying that it will change your life as well. Okay? Yeah? Amen. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have uh, your various translations with you, please get them out now. You may find this a little bit awkward to follow, because I'm going to read from the Amplified translation. I love the Amplified translation, because it just pulls out those nuances, pulls out extra words to really fill in what it's, what it's going to say. So here we go. Paul, an apostle, special messenger of Christ Jesus the Messiah, by the divine will the purpose and choice of God to the saints, the consecrated set apart ones at Ephesus, who are also faithful and loyal and steadfast in Christ Jesus. May grace, God's unmerited favor and spiritual peace which means peace with God and harmony, unity and undisturbedness, be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. May blessing, praise, laudation and eulogy be to the God, the Father, and of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual given by the Holy Spirit blessing in the heavenly realm. Even as in his love he chose us, actually picked us out for himself as his own in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy, consecrated, and set apart for him, blameless in his sight, even above reproach, before him in love. For he ordained, foreordained us, destined us, planned in love for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Jesus Christ in accordance with the purpose of his will, because it pleased him and was his kind intent, so that we might be to the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, favor and mercy, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, deliverance and salvation through his blood, the remission, forgiveness of our offenses, shortcomings and trespasses in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding practical insight and prudence making known to us the mystery the secret of his will of his plan and of his purpose and it is this in accordance with his good pleasure his merciful intention which he had previously purposed and set forth in him, he planned for the maturity of the times and the climax of the ages to unify all things and to head them up and consummate them in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth. In him we were also made God's heritage, 
portion. And we obtained an inheritance. For we had been foreordained, chosen, and appointed beforehand in accordance with his purpose, who works everything out in agreement with the counsel and design of his own will, so that we, who first hoped in Christ, who first put our confidence in him, have been destined and appointed to live for the praise of his glory. In him, you who also heard the word of truth, the glad tidings, the gospel of your salvation, and have believed in and adhered to and relied on him, were stamped with the seal of the long-promised Holy Spirit. That Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance, the first fruits, the pledge and foretaste, the down payment on our heritage in anticipation of its full redemption and our requiring complete possession of it to the praise of his glory. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, the people of God, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets, in the deep and intimate knowledge of him, by having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you. And how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, above every title that can be conferred, not only in this age and in this world, but also in the age and the world which are to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has appointed him the universal and supreme head of the church, a headship exercised throughout the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. For in that body lives the full measure of him who makes everything complete and who fills everything everywhere with him. Self. That's the reaction I'm looking for. That wowness, that, that amazement is the thing that I really want you to, to go on a journey with. That by the end of this seven weeks, you'll speak from Ephesians. You've just go, oh God, you are amazing. Thank you for the relationship I have with you. Fantastic. Right, let me ask you a question, and uh, I kind of want some answers back, if that's okay. So don't be silent on me now. It's a very profound question. It can, in some sense, be a very deep and philosophical question, but just shout out some answers. So here's the question. What is the greatest fear of the human heart? Death is the greatest fear of the human heart. Okay. Abandoned. Abandoned. Okay. Rejection, cooking. I'm going to come back to that. 
lost. Anything else? There are no wrong answers, by the way. These, these are, it's a very conceptual question. What is the greatest fear of the human heart? Any more? Punishment? Punishment. Any more? Failure. Failure. Okay. We're going to come back to rejection. All those good answers. But I want to come back to rejection. I want to focus in on that. Because at the very essence of being human is that we all long to be accepted. We all want to be loved. And when we fail to experience that, we hurt badly. Feeling and facing the pain of rejection brings the realization that there is something in our hearts that no one, not even the most loving human being, can satisfy. The need for acceptance lies within us at a much deeper level. Let's look at the first few verses of Ephesians. Paul underlines the promise of God's blessings in Christ. It's in verse 3. He has set his love and affection upon us, has chosen us. It's in verse 4. He's predestined us. In verse 5, he's included us. Verse 13, and further in verse 13, and marked us out for a place in the royal household of heaven. There was a time when in God's sight we were unacceptable because of our sin, our guilt, and our shame. But now through forgiveness and salvation, we're accepted in Christ the New King James Version of the Bible puts verse 6 like this. By which he has made us accepted in the beloved. That's beautiful. By which he has made us accepted in the beloved. What an amazing, awesome truth and reality that is. That we're not just made acceptable, but we have been accepted in Christ, given the same standing as our Savior. That's a wow, if I ever, if I ever want to hear it. Wow. Given the same standing as our Savior. Let me ask you another question, and I don't want you to shout this out. I want you to, to think about it, to, to just mill it over for a few moments. And I want you to think about things that you find hard to accept about yourself. Or maybe think about what other people may find hard to accept about you. So mull it over now. Close your eyes. Look down. Look up. Don't look at me. Have a think. What things do you find hard to accept about yourself? Now I want you to take those things. And I'm sure you might be still thinking of others. And I want you to put them aside. And I want you to stop putting yourself down. And believe this promise. That you are accepted in the beloved. You are accepted. Each and every one of you in the beloved. What an amazing, encouraging, and reassuring promise that is. In a world that's constantly searching for approval, acceptance, 
affirmation and affection. How good is it to know and savor that the reality is that through nothing we could have done or nothing that we could do, our standing in Christ is one of full acceptance. We don't have to search any longer for acceptance in the eyes of others or struggle to find it in their nod of approval. God's promised smile is already upon us. And he'll not love us any more or any less in the future than he does right now. Let me repeat that. God's promised smile, and it makes me laugh because Derek in his Hesed video, I said, what is God's love? And he said, God is smiles, or words to that effect. He was prophesying what was coming up. He'd got the truth is in his heart. God's promised smile is already upon us, and he'll not love us any more or less in the future than he does right now. Believe it. Because it's often in moments of failure, in moments of guilt, in times of inadequacy and rejection, that Satan seeks to rob us of this part of our inheritance and our standing in Christ. We need to constantly come back to this amazing promise. Shake off any impositions that others may have on us or any false accusations that Satan is hurling at us. And just stand tall in his presence. If we've sinned, we need to understand that. Although he rejects the sin, he accepts the sinner who comes to him with a penitent heart. And through mercy, forgiveness, and grace, he restores. Now, I told you this was going to be a series of, of not just listening and consuming, but talking to one another, thinking about stuff, being fully involved in this process. So I've got something else I want you to, to think about. I want you to think about anything that is current or is still affecting you from the past, where Satan is robbing you. And I want you to, to declare and to thank God that we can stand tall in God's presence and that Satan will no longer rob, of, rob us of our standing in Christ. Do it now, folks. Just turn to one another. Turn around your tables and just start thanking God, will you? Just start praying. Just start laying down your, 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 your praise to him and just give him thanks. Let's do it now, just around your tables right now, folks. Come on, let's get involved in this process because this thing isn't going to come by head knowledge. It's going to come by heart revelation. And I want us to take some moments declaring truth and thanking God that we can stand tall in his presence. Ben, can you just put a little bit of music on there, something like that, just to help this along. And just to pray with one another. Just give thanks with one another. Okay. Okay. Again, I understand if that seemed a bit strange and a bit difficult, but what I'm trying to emphasize is the practical nature of this book of Ephesians and that we're all in this together. We're all learning together and we want to hear wisdom and insight from one another 
And it isn't just about consuming something, being told something, but it's about learning together and experiencing together. So I accept that might seem a little strange little awkward, but I want us to do more like that, to be more comfortable with one another. Let me give you a little bit of language uh, definitions here. In the original Greek, the word accepted is this word karituo, karituo. And it's closely related to the grace word charis. Karituo is defined as highly favored, graced with honor and accepted. The only other occasion when it's found uh, when it's found in the, in the New Testament is when the angel appears to Mary in Luke 128 and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. God used this word to tell Mary that she was especially chosen, favored, and selected by him for the amazing task of bringing the Christ child into the world. And I want to tell you now that you too have been selected and highly favored for a special task. I want you to believe this promise. Accept yourself in him. Enter fully into your inheritance and walk tall. Remember, you are accepted in the beloved. Thank you, Lord. Now, another practical thing for us to do with one another, and we're going to get talking to one another now. We've got some questions that I'd like you to begin to ask one another. And it's a, in a very similar format that John did last week. You've got a sheet with six questions on it. And on the top right-hand corner, there will be a number. And that number equates to the question that is on the sheet. And what I'd like you to do is to tackle that question first. And I'm doing this with a little bit of confidence because I believe you when you tell me you're going to read chapter 1 of Ephesians, uh, at least, and that you're going to think about it and you're going to pray about it because that will help you begin to answer these questions or to begin to spark off discussions with these questions. Some of them are very practical, some of them are a bit more conceptual. But I want you to talk with one another. And maybe two people around one table isn't enough. So maybe join to at least four. Okay. I'll draw you back in now. Find you could turn the music off. That would be great. Okay. I hope that you've had some interesting conversations. I hope they've been in some way enlightening. And I encourage you to continue those kind of conversations. Uh, obviously, life groups are a really great place to do that. So if you're not yet in a life group, I encourage you to contact us, let us know, so we can include you in that group, and you can have these kind of conversations on a weekly basis as well. So what was the objective of looking at this first chapter of Ephesians? Well, it's been to underline, isn't it, that we have an inheritance that we're very often not accessing and we're not utilizing it because we don't feel worthy or accepted 
And so I encourage you to read, uh, not now, but read Ephesians 1 through to verse 14 again. And to understand that those 14 verses were written as one sentence. (laughs) All connected. (laughs) It's one sentence. So take a breath, read it. But read it with excitement and read it with passion. One of the greatest things I learned from Bible college, amongst every other thing, was that when you're reading scripture, stand up, open the Bible, and walk around and talk, talk it out loud. Speak it out loud. Because it gives it energy. It gives it vibrance that you just don't get sat on your seat, plunked there, reading it in your head. It gives it something that is just so much more alive if you do that. So verses 1 to 14, stand up, walk around, read it in one breath, read it with passion and excitement and enthusiasm. Verse 8 tells us that the riches of God's grace, that he, uh, uh, tells us of the riches that he's lavished on us. That they're active initiatives from God, that we're chosen, we're adopted, we're included, we're predestined, and we're marked out. God accepts us not on the basis of what we do or don't do, but because of who we are. We don't try to, we don't need to try to be like anybody else. God doesn't need more of the same. It's our uniqueness that draws us to him. Always remember that you, you, and you, and you are God's choice. He's chosen you. Don't ever forget that. In whatever moment you're at, in whatever you are, whatever you're doing, remember that God's big, mighty, spiritual, anthropomorphic, Finger, sorry Jeff, that was a long word. (laughs) He's pointing at you. He's pointing at you. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan at the commencement of his ministry, the Father looked down, or however you do that spiritually, and just said, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I always want to say that, with him I is well pleased. (laughs) That's how I say it in my head. He repeated it exactly when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration towards the end of his ministry. Matthew 17.5 and the, the AV version says, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God was so pleased with his beloved Son, he declared it to the world. And because... You are accepted in the beloved. He's delighted with you too. Yeah, thank you, Lord. In chapter 1, verses 17 to 19, Paul prays some things that we might know, and I'll read them to you now. It says, that the Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Wisdom is the righteous application of knowledge, but it must be accompanied by divine insight. He also says that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that our inner vision will enlarge to greater eternal perspectives, not head knowledge, but a heart experience. 
in order that you may know him better. And the word know incorporates both intimacy and fullness. Not knowing about, but knowing that comes from an experience of relationship. The hope to which he has called you. Hope means assurance and conviction, a certain future. The riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul says, in the saints, not for the saints. Deposited in is potential, gifting, ability, and talent yet to be developed. And finally, he says, his incomparably great power for us who believe. There was a power demonstrated when Christ was raised from the dead. A power, a real power. The power that is work, that is at work within us. A power that is at work within us. Dunamis. Dynamite. Dynamite. Power. That's within us. That same power. You are chosen. You are accepted in Him. We normally, PC, I'm supposed to say, we are chosen. We are accepted. It's all about us and we. But it's, it's, it's you. And you and you. Accept who you are in Christ. Accept that power that is within you and it's within me as well but I'm just making a point so I want you to think about some things and we're going to finish again with something practical but think about this first to kind of take it away from from this afternoon how can you develop your relationship of intimacy with God and may I suggest daily devotions time spent in the Word, entering into acts of worship. You know, folks, worship isn't just confined to here on a Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning if you choose to visit somewhere else as well. It's, it's an, your life is an act of worship. Spend time recognizing your worshipful heart and go, oh God, it's for you. I'm washing these dishes for you. I'm cleaning this car for you. Give yourself a time of quiet reflection and solitude. We so often don't give our times, ourselves time of quiet reflection and solitude. If you've got a busy family house like I have, I do find moments of solitude. They're generally when everybody else has gone to bed. But it, nevertheless, I give him time. And I give him all of me. I'm not super spiritual. I don't get to do it all the time, but I try my best. And that's all that he expects of you. Give him your best. Think about what is calling. Do you have a strong sense of calling? Figure out what that means. Work it out. What does having a calling actually mean? How do I work that out? What potential talents, gifts, and abilities may be lying dormant in you? There was a great phrase uh, that Tom said at the back there. He said, how do you know you're never going to be good at bowling if you don't go bowling? Well, I thought it was a good phrase. You know, how do you know you're never good at something if you don't give it a go? 
Don't ever discount yourself. Don't ever discount yourself. And finally, think about how is this power, this dynamite power, thank you, Mark, how is it at work in our mortal bodies? That power that energizes. That power that, that moves and shifts and changes things. Dynamite moves and shifts and changes things. <laughs> Quite dramatically. Feel free to be dramatic. Feel free to step out from a slow, methodical way of doing things. Be dramatic. Step out. Okay. Fantastic. We're right on time. Um, we're going to finish now with this. And again, this is a bit of a, it's always a brave moment on the part of the person who's speaking is trying to get folk to do something. But please try and go with me on this. What I want you to do, can you please all stand? Could you please all stand? And then can you move and find somebody else? Find a stranger, hopefully. Somebody that maybe you don't talk to that often. Don't get into conversation just yet. Maybe just say a quick hello. It could be a stranger, somebody you don't know. If there's nobody left, whoever it is. Okay, could you please set one of you, one of you, stick your hand if you're the, I want one person to say something to the other first. So make a decision who that person is going to be. And I want you to say these simple words to that person. I am accepted in the beloved. Turn to the person, look at their eyes, say, I am accepted in the beloved. Okay, and now the other person, I want you to reply now and say, I accept you too. And now I want you to do it again. But I want you to do it with much more passion, much more energy, and just do it, repeat it with one another. So first line is, I am accepted in the beloved. The line you come back with as an I accept you too. Let's lift the roof off. Come on. <laughs> and as you do that, we're going to then enter into a time of worship together. Okay, so continue talking and then... The music will come on and let's enter into a time of worship.